0: I want to introduce to you my friend, Nick, Rick Wenke. I knew him when he was a taxi driver. I knew about him when I was a taxi driver in Vancouver. Between movements of a person going on, he would read. He read uh, Eurisist, Exodus and then a, an aunt or some relative stick, stuck a, news, uh, a, a little, little Bible in his pocket. And he began to read both, and became to love Israel. He wanted to go in order to change things, and he's done that. Uh, I remember him telling me there weren't a thousand people that had accepted the Lord, but now it was twenty thousand the last time. So Rick is a really great friend, and I know you're going to enjoy hearing his testimony. Thank you. My question always is, where does it begin? Where's it? Ad- Where does it begin in a sense that his prayer becomes our prayer? It's an interesting concept. For me, it's taken a number of years. In 1939 was marked the beginning of World War II. For the Jewish people living in Europe at that time, they numbered almost 9 million spread out all through all the different countries of Europe. There was a Jewish population, a Jewish community. By 1945, the nine million that had been in Europe was reduced to three million. Six million Jews killed within Europe during the Holocaust, during World War II, And somehow those, the three million that survived, had no places to go. They had no homes anymore. They became a displaced person. The concentration camps that had been used to kill them during the course of the Holocaust became now the refugee camps. No one in 1939, hardly any countries opened their doors to the Jews to be able to escape out of what was happening in Germany. And at the end of World War II, the entire world was trying to somehow heal. So the Jews got left in Europe within these camps, those that survived. The only place on the planet that wanted them as a people group was then Palestine pre-Israel. It was the only place of geography on the entire planet that wanted them, and the British Empire was doing everything possible to block access. This portion of history for me This whole aspect between 1945 and 1948. Because in the spring of 1948, three years after the end of the Holocaust, Israel is birthed as a nation. It's amazing. Totally amazing. The first time, the first time I read about this history. I was living in a basement apartment in Vancouver, Canada. Just like Wilbur is referred to, I was a taxi driver at the time. I was stoned most of the time. I always tell people if they plan on taking a trip to Vancouver, Canada, the safest thing you can do is rent a car. Because most of the cab drivers, It's probably gotten worse, but most of the cab drivers that I hung out with, that I drove with, most of us were stoned the majority of each day. My whole life growing up as a teenager in Canada came to a particular place that my lifestyle, was coming to a head, where I felt like I had to find something outside of the natural, because the natural that I was living in right now, there was this huge smell of death on it. I was getting scared, the stuff that I had used and enjoyed for years was now, I felt like I was the one getting used and abused. I went out into a field one night. I always believed in God. I always believed that there was a God that created everything. No one could convince me that the changing of leaves in Canada, the palette of color that you would see consistently every year within the nature, it, it, it couldn't have been a result of uh, an explosion billions and billions of years ago. I recognized the God of the creation. I didn't want to have anything to do with him up until this point. So in a place of desperation, I cried out. And I just said, if anybody's up there, I want to give up all this junk. The word junk for me carried a lot of history to it. I knew that if something didn't change in my life I was going to be dead or I was going to be in jail. That was the only two possibilities for me then. Within this time the Lord started to show himself to me. There were different things that happened in my life circumstantially that I couldn't explain within the natural. And I started being drawn to the supernatural the beyond the nature and within that time I ended up I picked up a book was called Exodus by Leon Uris and started to read this book all of a sudden I get introduced to Jews I didn't know what a Jew was before that I'm introduced to the holocaust didn't know anything about the holocaust I didn't know about World War II because those were the movies and that was my primary source of education. But when I read, within this book, it started to somehow touch my heart. And for me personally then, I didn't even realize I had a heart. The only thing that would touch me within the world that I lived was anything that would benefit me personally. I never thought outside of my own self. But all of a sudden, in reading this book, there was something within this history. The book starts with a whole shipload of Jewish children trying to make their way to Palestine, with the entire British Empire trying to block their way. All of the children were orphans, all of their families had been killed in the Holocaust, and somehow they were trying to get to this little piece of geography that welcomed them. And I'm, I'm being drawn into this story. It was amazing for me that within the book, this is a novel, an historical novel, that brings me in this reading to the point of the declaration of Israel as a nation in 1948. The war ends in 45, the spring of 45, the declaration of Israel as a nation happens in the spring almost to the day, three years. And they're declaring themselves as a nation. They were being promised in 1948 by five Arab countries, all the countries that were bordering Israel, were promising to complete the work that Hitler had begun within the Holocaust. That they were going to annihilate the Jews, that Tel Aviv would be washed in Jewish blood. And I'm reading all of these things within this book, And I'm thinking to myself, the position of memory for the Jewish people, you're talking three-year gap when over two-thirds of their population were killed in concentration camp, gassed, and the bodies were burned. Systematically. So you're talking about a handful of Jews pre-Israel, just before the declaration as a state, and they're being, they're being promised annihilation. We're still being promised annihilation. But in 1948, you're talking a three-year gap from the biggest act of annihilation towards the Jewish people. And they declare themselves as a nation. And within two hours... Tel Aviv, the main city then within Israel, was being shelled from the air by the Egyptian aircraft, the Air Force. I'm reading this within this book. I'm feeling myself drawn, which for me was a really strange feeling. I would never felt myself drawn towards anything else other than me, something that would always benefit me. When I'm reading this, they make the Declaration of Independence as a nation, and they survive the War of Independence. All of a sudden, I had to close the book, and for the first time in months in my life, I had a clear thought. All of a sudden, I thought, if there's a God up there, he has something to do with these Jews, something to do with this land. I have to find out what these guys are into. So I started to read more books. I hated reading. For me, this was also a step into the supernatural because my, my nature was the last thing I would do is read a book. So I read about two more books, which was totally my max, about the beginning of Israel as a nation birthed out of the sense of the Holocaust. And I thought, it's enough. I've, like, way read enough. I have to go and see this place. And so I made, I made a decision in 1977 that I would go and work on a kibbutz. If anybody's wondering what a kibbutz is, anyway, I'll explain it after. I go to work on a kibbutz for six months, that's the plan. I figured I'd be on the kibbutz for six months and then I'd backpack through Europe, take a year off, see the world. But my primary focus was I'm looking for God and I think he has something to do with these Jews. I end up on the kibbutz within, really within the first couple weeks of getting there. I've given my life to the Lord. I found Jesus. found Jesus at the garden tomb in Jerusalem. The Lord knew I needed a lot of visual for sure. On the kibbutz, I started to sculpt. It was the beginning for me for everything within the kibbutz. I started to carve in wood in the beginning, and I found that this was the beginning for me was like a prayer. It was the sense of trying to touch something inside of me and bring it out. What we've seen in the last five minutes Or at least the beginning five minutes, was a piece of work that's called the Fountain of Tears. It's a joining together of two identifications, always in the beginning of, of a piece of work. The Lord always initiates, He always draws my attention. This is the way it is. he has worked within my life. On the kibbutz, the Lord woke me up one night in the middle of the night. I was a believer then for about two months. I was laying on a couch, sound asleep. All of a sudden, I get woken up, and it's almost like I hear a voice. And all the voice is saying to me is Isaiah 14. I'm a brand new believer. My Bible is in my backpack across the room. I don't feel like getting up. I think I'm just having something weird happen. And so I ignore it. Because it's easy to ignore what you you don't want. I try to go back to sleep, and I can't. And all of a sudden, it comes again, Isaiah 14. I'm a brand new believer. I know Isaiah is somewhere in the Bible, but I have no idea where. But it was strong enough that it pulled me out of my desirable place on this couch the first two verses of Isaiah 14, when I finally found it, was that the Lord would have mercy on Jacob, and that he would draw Israel back to the land, and that he would join strangers to the land of Israel, and they would become apart. And in a sense, in the Hebrew, it means you become annexed. It's almost like you cleave and he holds you as a part. I was shocked. At that time in Israel, there was only a handful of believers in the land, maybe 10, 15 that I even knew of. They had said to me, in telling me stories about Hearing from the Lord, I love that dynamic. I love hearing these stories. But I would always say, what does he sound like when he speaks? How do you know? And they gave me a very vague response. It's like when the Lord speaks, you know. You'll have this incredible peace. And I'm like you're going to have to give me something more tangible than that. But that's all they were giving me. But when I got up in the middle of the night and searched through the Bible to find Isaiah in the first two verses, and I begin to read that the Lord would yet have mercy on Jacob, and he would bring Israel back to the land, All of a sudden, it dawned on me, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it on this kibbutz. I was in a small class learning Hebrew each day. But the class was filled with about 40 other students from about 30 different countries. They're all young Jews thinking about coming and doing Aliyah to Israel. And I'm thinking, I'm seeing this happen in front of me within these personalities. But it goes further within these verses, and it says that the strangers will be joined to the land. The moment I read that, I realized I'm the stranger. There's no one in my family that's Jewish. There's no one, I don't have any natural possibility of being attached to this land. I'm there primarily because of what I've read, but I'm drawn, I'm trying to find out what is God's relationship somehow to these people. Within the beginnings of that search, I discovered the person of Jesus, and now I've given my life over to him, and the dynamics of that relationship with him, now in the middle of the night, He has now given me this word. And I'm thinking, what do I do with this? How do I respond? And I keep thinking to myself, I had plans right that moment. I had met a German girl on the kibbutz as one of the volunteers. I was, I had totally fallen in love with this girl. She had given her life to the Lord. I was going to be following her to Germany to meet her parents, see how all of that developed. It's really tricky discerning what is the Holy Spirit and what is romance. (laughs) Gets like real foggy and real gray. Trying to define those, wow, that was the biggest reaction. There's a lot of thought about romance in this room, I'm sure. (laughs) Learn to discern what is the Holy Spirit, what is romance. I've heard so many people say, oh, this has to be the Lord, because every time I see him, I just like, oh, I, I have these weird interactions. But I'm dealing, like I'm decapitated, I'm so in love with this girl, right? I'm about to go to Germany, and Israel is going to be this incredibly great memory. But now, all of a sudden, the Lord gives this word. I have drawn you to this land. You are one of the strangers. And in a sense, my response has to be cleaving. And the Lord's response is, I'm going to make you a part. I'm going to attach you to them. And I'm thinking, all of these thoughts, especially the romance. Like my friend said, I'm not going to have peace about this. This is not going to go well emotionally right now. And they kept on saying, when you hear the Lord, you just know, and you have this incredible peace. I sat down on the edge of the couch, climbed back into bed, basically, and honestly felt like I had a blanket that came over me. Everything was totally chilled I slept like a baby. The next morning, I had to explain to Ilona, the German girl, I don't know what's going on, but I think I'm supposed to stay. didn't go over well with her. She reminded me, she reminded me that what we'd also been told by the older believers, because we were the babies for sure, that when, a Lord, when the Lord speaks, he has to confirm it. He has to confirm it. Because uh, it isn't just artists. We're all space cadets. And I'm sure there's plenty here too. So it has to be earth somehow. So her and I sitting together with the tension a little bit, Okay, how do you confirm this? And I thought, okay, if the Lord is saying I'm to stay in Israel, then I should be able to go get some kind of residency here. But I'm not a Jew. This is the Jewish nation. Only Jews get citizenship. Only Jews get residency. And I completely understand it, and I understand why. Everybody I knew who were believers were praying to have their visas extended. It was always, do you get to stay in the country, don't. But I thought, you know what, this will really confirm it. I went through a whole process of applying, and through a real miracle, I ended up getting permanent residency. I was given permanent residency in Israel that there was no possible way in the natural that it could be explained. If you want to know the details of that story, you're going to have to get the book. There's a couple little gaps here, so if you want to fill in the gaps, you're going to have to get the book. But I ended up getting citizenship Through doing the army in Israel, I felt like if the Lord had established me as a permanent resident, I had to identify with them. I had to do everything that a normal Israeli has to do. All the guys at 18 years old do three years of army. All the girls at 18 years old do two years of army. So basically, that three year chunk between 18 and 21 is cut out. Your focus is the army in Israel, and the army is a total reality. It isn't a career thing. All of the identification, all of the attachment, the one principle that I discovered in following the Lord is that every time he speaks, I have to respond. And within my response, I have to die. I have to die to something within my own nature. Ilona went back to Germany. We tried to hold on letter-wise and all of this stuff, but it was evident that if I was staying in Israel then the relationship had to dissipate. Had to give it up, and it was tough. Everything demands a response. When the Lord speaks, we are constantly praying and asking for him to break into our lives, to intervene. When he speaks a word, it demands us to earth his desires. So when you look at what you looked at, this was like a five-minute video, then in a sense you're looking at a prayer. I'm walking out a creative prayer. This wall, this whole concept took seven years. Each one of the seven last words of Jesus spoken during his time when he's dying on the cross I had to live with each one of these words for months. Where you're an artist, you're dealing with process. You're dealing with how do you take what you're feeling inside and somehow earth it. Give it expression. For me, I fought this thing like crazy. The Lord had given me a place in Israel that was miraculous. He had allowed me to stay in the land. He brought me from a place after the army. I was given full citizenship. He completely fulfilled the word that he gave me. Out of Isaiah 14, in the very beginning... All my Israeli friends, I had so many layers of relationship within Israel. In the army, I was in a little paratrooping unit. It was a really serious unit. It was just in time for the first war in Lebanon in 2001, 2002. The guys in my unit, we were tight, we were really close. We were put into all kinds of nasty situations where you have to completely trust the person with you. They all knew I was a believer in Jesus. They all knew my story. They all thought I was, in the beginning, they all thought I was completely whacked for being in Israel, the Canadian. Why would you leave A place that is filled with nothing but luxury and ease. Why would you come to one of the most dangerous places on the planet? I was constantly confronted with that question. And my response always was, because I believe in Jesus. I am only here because I'm following him. That is the only reason. And they, I can't get into church history, Jewish memory, what the cross means to the Jewish people, their persecution, all their suffering, primarily at the hands of the church within Europe, they have an incredibly negative view of the person of Jesus and the cross specifically. But they as friends, especially in your unit, They would say to me, We love you. We have a hard time with this Jesus thing that you have, but we're willing to embrace you like a package deal. But when the Lord started to speak to me about the fountain of tears and touching the Holocaust from a creative point of view, I thought, This is nuts. What about my friends? All the layers of relationship. I lived on the kibbutz. The kibbutz that I thought I was going to be there for six months, I ended up spending the next seven years on the kibbutz. I was a member. They even invited me to become a member of the kibbutz. Never happens for a non-Jew to have membership on a kibbutz. It's a deep relationship. They all know. They all know. They all know that I'm a believer in Jesus. They all know my story. But again, it's like you're an artist or you're an astronaut. So, in a way, you're allowed to be out there. But I thought that if I try and touch just the place of the Holocaust, the place that is a place of darkness only filled with questions how do you even touch it? How do you go near it creatively? The idea of putting the seven last words of Jesus together with the Holocaust is insane. Totally insane. I had people say to me, close friends, what were you on when you came up with this? Seven crucifixion scenes in your backyard? Do you not know where you live? And my response was always, I completely understand. I totally understand. But I have to. The Lord has made it clear to me this is his intention. This is his desire. The key two words in the last little portion of this is the word payback. For an entire year, the Lord kept speaking to me the word payback. I want to pay back what has been taken from them. I want you to touch the number six million that for them represents a number of death and I'm going to turn it into a number of life. You think I understood? You think I got it? Not a chance. All I understood was I can't go there. And systematically the Lord kept... He's an incredible father. He has huge patience. I kept arguing the sense of, I don't have memory for this. I'm Canadian and I'm a non-Jew. How can I create a memorial if I don't have memory? The thing that sealed the beginning of this work was three words that the Lord spoke to me when I said, I don't have memory. How do you create a memorial with no memory? And I felt like the Lord said to me, but I do. I have a memory of every child, every woman, every man, every cry. I have a memory of it all. You create from my memory, not from yours. Thank you.